never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. week's episode of the top five report the podcast that only gets to drive our delorean from time to time my name is drew i'll be your host of the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here hey man how's it going how was your week uh you know pretty good pretty good <laughs> i was trying to think of some back to the future joke to go along with that and then i just uh you know you know, just went blank, so. Completely blanked out, yeah. Well, you know what? I, when you're looking, when you're trying to write that opening joke, which I'm not going to lie, is the hardest part of the show every week for me, is um, what pop culture thing have I not poked at yet? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just felt like one of Marty's uh, future siblings. <laughs> I just felt like one of Marty's future siblings right there, and I was starting to uh, fade from existence, so. A little yeah. too late, but there's your <laughs> there's a joke for you. But uh, no, this this week's been going pretty good for me. Um, there's some pretty fun pop culture stuff that is, have been going on. I've kind of only watched and read the big stuff this week, and uh, I'm hoping you're kind of in the same boat. But uh, I can jump into that if you want. Well, what did you watch so I can see what we're in the same boat for? Because I have one thing I don't know if I think that might be separate from us watching. So, okay. In terms of I probably watched and you didn't. So, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I might have caught like some random tid- tidbits as far as like random movies or TV episodes, but the big two for me this week is uh, Blue Beetle and Ahsoka. So, okay. I don't know where you're awesome. sitting as far as that goes. <laughs> I have not watched Blue Beetle because my weekend was nuts. Um, and I feel, okay. and for once you're ahead of me, um, <laughs> and I did watch Ahsoka and then I watched one other thing that has to be talked about. So why don't you give me your Blue Beetle review and then we'll go from there. Well, if it's any consolation, I heard Blue Beetles hitting HBO Max like really soon. Um, it I hasn't did, been doing super well. Well, keep going. <laughs> no, I did hear that too. And I know it hasn't been going super well at the box office, um, the opening weekend domestically was great, and then that was it. And um, DC, we've talked about how it's in this influx of, like, because of James Gunn's DCU, these DC movies that are coming out are kind of flopping because, and I, I think a couple things. One, superhero fatigue. Two, franchise fatigue. And three, everyone's more curious about what James Gunn's going to do that has nothing to do with these movies coming out. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, it's that's my thought, but it's hard to say whether it's superhero fatigue or not, because we've talked like, you know, within the last month or so about how, you know, into the spider or across the spider verse, I should say, did super well. And then you have Guardians three did amazing. And it's just this thing where it's like, 
it seems like superhero movies are still really popular, but I think it does have a lot to do with the DC universe reboot that's going on. It has to do with James Gunn announcing that reboot before the current slate of movies that came out. The weird case with Blue Beetle is uh, this was supposedly the first movie that was going to be included in James Gunn's universe as far as release schedule goes. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I feel like there might just be like some massive marketing missteps with this film. But uh, again, like I think it's honestly releasing to streaming. Like I want to say I heard like September 19th or something like it's crazy. It's like a less than a month away right now. And it, oh, that's, that's just wild. But what were you saying? No, that's just nuts that it's that fast. But anyway. yeah. And, and it, it's an unfortunate, but when it comes down to movies coming out this summer, I honestly, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. I haven't seen Barbie. There's a few that I've missed a few big ones that I've missed. But I remember, I think it was after Guardians of the Galaxy 3 came out. I just had this mindset that's like, I might see some other movies, but Blue Beetle is the, is the next one that I'm really looking forward to. And that just comes from me really liking uh, the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. Um, I think I got really into that character um, through the Young, or the Young Justice show and then uh, kind of explored the comics a little bit more. Like I read the full run of the New 52 Blue Beetle. Um, and then I also went back and read some of the older comics with that character and it was one of those things where it's like i love the dceu i love this character i want to support this character no matter what so i had to make a point make it to the theater go watch it here's what i'm left with it with the movie the movie is pretty good like it's a solid superhero flick i want to say it's like one of those like six to seven out of ten movies it's not the greatest thing ever but if you love superheroes you're gonna enjoy this movie like it's not it definitely deserves higher box office numbers than it's getting my main gripe with the film and i don't want to spoil anything for you drew but or i actually have two gripes one is uh the movie certain parts of the movie feel very derivative of other superhero movies and i feel like online you can already sense that criticism like People are saying like the bus scene from Blue Beetle is just like Shang-Chi and there's different elements that are just like Iron Man or just like Spider-Man. And uh, the thing is, if you go back to the Blue Beetle comics, a lot of those comparisons were already there. You know what I mean? But uh, that's one of the things is there's a lot of moments in the movie that do feel derivative of other superhero movies. My other... um, My other kind of only complaint is um, I'm actually losing my train of thought. What was my other complaint? (laughs) Oh, no, I I got it. I got it. Sorry. Um, I got ahead of myself there for a second. But my other main thing is the movie. I don't know if any moment during the movie I was left with like a wow factor from it. Like, I, I feel like when you watch a superhero movie, there's always like a couple moments that really make you go like, whoa, that's so cool. Or like, whoa, I never knew super speed would look or feel like that or i never knew that a certain character on screen would be able to have so much presence and so much power to their appearance in this film and i feel like blue beetle in the movie i never had that wow moment um so overall i don't think that you don't think that wow moment is being uh 
hampered by the fact that we've seen so many superhero films that the wow moment, the wow factor has kind of gone down a little bit. In the sense that, like, you know, the wow factor, seeing Captain America pick up Thor's hammer, the wow factor, finally getting to see Black Suit Superman, the wow factor, um, uh, I mean, trying to, uh, Wonder Woman climbing up out of the... Right. Uh, yeah, trench the No Man's Land. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. Like, did we uh, wore on into the fact that the wow factor is not as prevalent anymore because of how much superhero stuff we've seen. You know, that's, I think that's actually a really good point. And I think superhero fatigue would play into that because Blue Beetle, I actually don't think it's a very, I think it's a good movie, but you saying that it's actually making me think a lot of the uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film, which I liked that movie a lot too. I think they overly simplified a lot of things, especially when it comes to uh, the concept of like the Green Lantern core in general. But the Green Lantern movie, I remember it coming out, and I remember thinking it was a solid, just fun superhero romp, you know? But a lot of people didn't like that film, and uh, in my opinion, which, Drew, I know um, off of the podcast we've talked about this before, but I feel like G- Green Lantern was a superhero movie that fit in with movies that came out like 10 years before it, you know? Green Lantern felt like it would fit in with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, or like especially like the... Oh, yeah. uh, Especially, like, the first uh, Fantastic Four movies with, like, Chris Evans and Jessica Alba and all that. I feel like Green Lantern felt like one of those movies, but it came out in a time that was, like, post-Dark Knight, post-MCU. Like, it came out in a time where the same kind of movie that fit in with the past wasn't going to be as popular anymore. It it came out at a time when the bar was so heavily raised. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I feel like... You might be right, like, Blue Beetle feels like maybe an early MCU film, or it feels like a movie that, like, five, ten years ago, everybody would love, but at this point, it doesn't wow anybody, because it didn't deliver on the next level in that way. So I think think that's really fair. The things I can say that I... Those are my two gripes, and they sound like big gripes, but I I did enjoy the movie a lot, and the main things that I really liked about this movie is... One, CG, special effects, all that looks amazing. Like, there's some awesome visuals. Another thing is um, there's a lot of really big ties to uh, Jaime Reyes as a character and uh, his family and his, uh, like, Latino upbringing and stuff like that that are really intact and really focused on. And I feel like the focus on Jaime Reyes' family really brings a lot of heart into this film, which is pretty great. Um, I also think the movie has a pretty succinct um, storyline. Like, the plot makes sense. Everything fits together. They don't bring in some random villain that makes sense. Like, everything's tied together. The main villains of the movie are connected to the blue beetle scarab that uh you know takes over jaime reyes body and he transforms into the blue beetle that we know and love everything is tied to that when it comes to the villains when it comes to just everything it it feels like pretty tightly knit but i think the movie just didn't have that wow factor there drew i will say that you are going to i think you're 
I don't know if you're going to love this movie or not. I think there's parts of this movie you're going to love because there is a lot of ties to the classic Ted core or Ted cord version of the blue beetle, like okay. way, way more ties than I expected. Um, I mentioned that I read the uh, new 52 blue beetle run and uh, reading that run in the comics, there really wasn't a lot of uh, Ted cord connections. Like it kind of just focused on Jaime Reyes is this, you know, kid who finds this alien suit and it goes on from there and it didn't really have ties to the classic Blue Beetle. This movie has Easter eggs and ties to classic Ted Cord Blue Beetle all over the place. I don't want to go in depth, but I think if you're a fan of the Ted Cord Blue Beetle, you're going to love how much um, lore um, and just different elements from that character are showcased. So All right. I All know right. you're going to watch this one, Drew, and I don't want to say too much. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm left with. It's not my favorite superhero movie of the year. Um, it's not my favorite DC superhero movie, but it was a solid film. It was really fun. It did deliver on the visuals and some of that Jaime Reyes lore that I like. And uh, I think it deserves better as far as box office numbers, but okay. I, it's just an iffy time. I don't, I don't know exactly all the reasons for why it's not doing great. So, yeah, it's all right. The, well, yeah, it's all right. I don't really know what to say on top of that in terms of how that works. Yeah. It's just, we're going to see how it all plays out, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So you did watch, it's good to hear. I look forward to seeing it and it is like a, it will be a watched movie as soon as I can. Um, right on. The, uh, you said the next thing you watched was Ahsoka, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I watched Ahsoka too, but I need to back up and then, so we'll talk Ahsoka in a second. The movie I watched that you did not was, I have finally watched Cocaine Bear. (laughs) Nice. Um, (laughs) that's great. Um, you haven't seen Cocaine Bear yet, have you? I have not seen Cocaine Bear. It is on Amazon Prime. That's where it's streaming right now. It might be elsewhere, but that's where I found it. Um, so this movie is inspired by true events. Okay, here is the true events. One, it's uh, it's an airplane drug drop. So they're dropping cocaine to be picked up from a ground team, right? And the guy missed drops, and one of the bags of cocaine hits a bear. And due to the overdose of cocaine and all that stuff, like the cl- the dust cloud and everything that is caused by the fact that it's happening, it kills the bear from a cocaine overdose. True events. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the movie opens with a guy doing the cocaine drop. You don't see the cocaine hit the bear. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, he jumps out of the plane, whatever. Um... He does a skydive to go with the cocaine so he can get with his crew, whatever the case may be, right? Cut to, you know, you have some hikers in the woods. Cut to some kids wanting to go see the waterfall. Cut to uh, the rangers searching for a missing person. Cut to, like, all the people that are going to be involved into the woods for whatever reason, like any standard movie like this would be, like in any standard creature feature, right? Yeah. They all in some way come across the cocaine bear, which is a bear who got hit with the cocaine or ate the cocaine and is now hyped up on the cocaine. And then this completely crazed um, bear trying to kill people. Um, 
the movie <laughs> is really funny. That that's the part I was not expecting. It's really funny. It is incredibly violent. It's incredibly gory. They do not pull any punches. They knew what they were doing in the sense of someone said we're making a movie about a bear that does cocaine. All right, I know exactly how this is going to go. It's like a bunch of adults went into the forest and shot a movie with no adult supervision and, <laughs> and said we're going to do this and it's going to be great. Um, it's really funny. It's really gory, really violent. Um, the it what, what blew my mind, though, was like, they shot it. It's a creature feature film. Like it could go on sci-fi, like a sci-fi yeah. movie kind of thing. But it's shot like a slasher film. Awesome. So, so like the way you would shoot like a Freddy or a Jason or something like that, but then make the bear the killer out in the woods. Um, there's a really cool shot of like, you know how in a horror movie you'll have like a character be running and they'll trip and fall and they'll be like struggling to get up and something will be grabbing their legs and yank them into the shadows They'll do that shot, but the person will get yanked into the bushes. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. It's, it's fun, and then, like, a leg will come flying out from the bushes. Um, the movie is just bonkers and ridiculous. It's very short, too. It's only an hour and a half. It's a quick watch, but it's a lot of fun. It is, by all means, not at all the best movie of the year, but... For the hour and a half, I laughed at it, and I cheered, and I was excited, and it was just, <laughs> it was just a ball of fun watching that movie, so. That's awesome. Um, I actually really like that you say it has that creature feature feel, as well as those uh, slasher elements, because I didn't think about that at all with this movie. Like, I knew it was based on a true story. I knew it was uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks, and I actually kind of thought it was just going to be a wild comedy like it was going to be one of those sit back and laugh at how ridiculous it is but hearing that it has a little bit of those creature feature vibes that actually makes me more excited because that actually makes it sound more fun you know what i mean it is it is it's like yeah and it's not like there's no sci-fi twist to it it's literally a bear that eats cocaine but the bear wants more cocaine so, like, as the yeah. drug dealer is trying to reclaim their product, are finding the bags of cocaine, here's a bear that's sniffing it out and wants more. <laughs> you know, awesome. like, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and you can see it, like, it's got the, it's it's not, like, snorting the cocaine because it's, like, eating it, but you got the dust on its face, so it looks like it snorted the cocaine. It's hilarious. And then when they that's realize awesome. why the bear is enraged and all that stuff, it's, yeah. The ambulance, <laughs> there's an ambulance chase where the bear chases an ambulance. And that is probably one of my favorites because it's favorite moments because it's it's just over the top ridiculous. And yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, nice. Cocaine Bear. Let's jump ahead and talk about Ahsoka. So I thought Ahsoka was off to a wonderful start. Give me your quick thoughts and then we'll deep dive. Uh, so far, I'm loving the show. I think the... Uh... The storyline's really cool. Um, I love this sort of, like, cryptic, like, hidden puzzle map aspect to the whole thing. Like, we need to figure out where Thrawn is, so you have to go, you know, Ahsoka goes into a crypt to find this crazy booby-trapped uh, mechanism that allows her to get this uh, 
map uh, relic thing, and then the sort of battle that ensues over which character has the map at what time, um, all in their pursuits of uh, finding the same location. I think that stuff's really fun. I'm liking the storyline so far. I am a pretty casual um, Clone Wars fan and a not-at-all Rebels fan. I just haven't had a chance to watch the uh, show Rebels, so... A lot of these characters are pretty new to me, but so far I'm actually loving all the characters too. I think like Sabine's really fun. Um, I think uh, I don't know her name, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character that's, uh, is Harris, uh, that's Harrison Dula. Awesome, yeah, she's she's been really cool so far. I'm loving the cast. I think the show's pretty solid. The other thing that I noticed was. And I don't know if it's just because I'm enjoying the show I'm noticing this, but I feel like the CG in this, uh, the show is like top notch. I feel like it's some of the best CG I've seen within like the Disney Star Star Wars shows as far as yeah, the, uh, I noticed, I noticed the ship that scenes and stuff like that. Everything looked very clean. I noticed that too. Um, there, I do have one gripe and it's sure. not huge, but I feel like some of the dialogue scenes feel like they're a little too slow paced. Like, I feel like um, there's this weird thing where I feel like one character will say something and then you'll watch the other character react to it for five seconds before saying the next line. And then you watch the other character react for five seconds and then they'll say the next line. And some of the dialogue scenes I did feel like really dragged and I was like, all right, I kind of already can see where the story's going. Let's just get to the point here. Uh, with that being said, I don't know. That might just be something that was... that I noticed that a lot less in the second episode, if that makes sense. So I feel like that might just be some of the inter introductory dialogue had a really slow pace for me. But um, that's really my only complaint. Uh, that's, that's like the only thing for me so far. But everything else I'm really digging. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts so far? Well, I, I hear you with the dialogue thing because I thought the same thing in the first episode and then not the second. Now, not the second right. impact, but I think it was – and I literally right now I'm chalking it up to the fact that I was just excited. And I'm like, <laughs> let's get to it. Like, <laughs> right. I know that I have to have the exposition scenes. I know I have to have things explained to me. So I do wonder, was I just overly excited and more like, let's just get to it. Let's get this done. Like, come on, let's see where we're going. But no, we have to slow burn it a little bit because I need to know what's going on. I need to know what the plot is, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So the first thing, um, we get to see that first ship, which was really, really cool, get attacked by, are they Sith? Are they dark side? Right. Definitely dark side, but, like, are they Sith? Um, there's still some mystery to that, which is great. Um, the uh, When Ahsoka is arriving, when it's just like, you got to come with us, you got to come check this out, like you're being summoned or whatever, and they're, like, they're requesting your presence on Home One. Home One is the name of the Carillion Corvette, which was the big rebel starship in Return of the Jedi that battled at the Battle of the Second Death Star. Good call. At the Battle of uh, Endor. So I was like, oh my God, home one, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so that was a really cool callback. You got to see the X-Wings and stuff flying around and everything. But then when you're in home one and they went and looked at and they were doing the hologram, like, these are the two people that attacked the ship, that kind of stuff. That was the meeting room from Return of the Jedi where they planned the attack on the second Death Star. Um, so that was awesome to see that again. Um, 
when you looked at uh, then they went to that cool Stonehenge thing with the map. The two yeah. episodes kind of blur together for me, but that's just because of what they were. When we got to Lothal, Lothal from the from Rebels to the uh, live action just looked great. I knew it was Lothal the moment we saw it. Um, seeing the Loth cat, I didn't know if I really care. Like I never really liked the Loth cats in general, but they became somewhat of a <laughs> Star Wars pop culture thing. So whatever, it's fine. Um, it's just another creature. It makes the world pop and a little bit more uh, filled out. Um, seeing Hera was great. Mary lives with Weinstead. She doesn't have the same. I feel like she's playing the character for herself. So it's, I don't know if she studied Vanessa Marshall's like performance because Vanessa Marshall voiced the character in uh, Rebels. I don't know if she studied like Cadence or anything like that because she's kind of just. I see Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, but I also see Harrison Doolis. So I looked at it as she's doing fine. I, I'm with it. I was with the casting to begin with anyway. So um, the and I really liked that bit where the guy's like, it's classified. And she's like, I'm a general. Nothing's classified for me. Open it up. And he's like, I can't. And you just like and then you find out he's like an imperial sympathizer. Yeah, OK. I thought that was kind of a cool scene. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Sabine was awesome. Sabine in Rebels was one of my favorite characters, and I was really excited to see her again. Um, during Star Wars Celebration, they introduced her to everyone on stage, and just listening to her talk in the interviews and everything, I'm like, this chick's awesome. I cannot wait for this show. I was just so excited that they cast such a cool person, a person that off-screen fit Sabine. So, like, it was like I just listening to her talk. I saw it and I'm like, I, I can't yeah. wait for the show. Um, yeah, she, she, she's probably my favorite character so far. I agree. Like she's uh, so far the most relatable and just has the coolest um, attitude and backstory yeah. and stuff like that. Um, just because you're talking about this, it is reminding me of uh, I do love the part uh, from the beginning of the first episode when she's kind of uh, speeding away from the city to the uh, the tower that she kind of turned into her home or whatever uh when she's on her speeder and she's just cruising down the highway and in the back and you know there's uh the ships that come up next to her like trying to get her to turn back and uh in the background you have that sort of like star wars like punk rock song <laughs> which yeah. i never thought would be a thing but i was like this is so cool like i love this music choice right here so that was you. pretty it's great not, and i was wondering i'm like what music is this and if you listen closely it's all in some star wars language and it's like some star wars techno thing and i'm like i want that song to like yeah. have for the car you know what i mean absolutely <laughs> what's what the name of that song so i look forward to finding that out because i was digging that too um yeah i just the two episodes were just so great. I can't wait to see more about these bad guys, these Sith, these Sith-like characters. Um, the main one, Balin Skull, the older guy, uh, Ray, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He passed away shortly after um, oh. Ahsoka finished filming. Yeah. So I don't know what they do with his character. Um, it was kind of an all of a sudden passed away. That's why at the end of the first episode it says, In Memory of Our Friend Ray. Um, oh, that's what that was. OK. Yeah. He like they finished shooting all the episodes and then he passed away. So I don't know what happens with this character. I don't know if his character makes it through the season. Like we don't we're going to find out. Um, I just hope they have a really good uh, close for the character and not. And it, yeah. I, I know they will. It's Star Wars. They're really good about that. I just 
it, it saddens me a little bit because I thought he was really a cool character. But if they are Sith, then, you know, maybe she kills him and then it, the the younger one kills him and she's got to find the new apprentice, you know. Um, yeah, I, I was so, I was kind of thinking uh, something similar. Um, since we are talking about the uh, more Sith like, we don't know if they're Sith or just dark Jedis or what what exactly their affiliation is. But I think they only said their name once but who was the character that's like the knight looking guy with the uh <laughs> you know what i'm talking about it looks like he has like kind of a rapier oh, style lightsaber uh, and then it's revealed uh, that he has like the spinning style like the inquisitor yeah he is one of the inquisitors i don't remember his name oh, okay he is one of the inquisitors so uh, so he he looked badass from the lightsaber to his costume like as soon as he showed up on screen i'm like this dude's badass. And then uh, the one thing, my one criticism with that whole fight scene is right before Ahsoka and him start du- duking it out, he like did something to make his cape fly away. <laughs> I was like, dude, why are you getting rid of that awesome cape? <laughs> that looks so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? But right. I, I get it. It Tactically, it made more sense to get rid of the cape. But I was like, I kind of wish he just kept the cape on during this scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we got to see live-action Chopper in uh, Rogue One. If you if you know it's a look for Chopper, the astromech droid on Hera's ship. Oh, okay. He he was first off. He looked so good, like he was so well done on the show. I was like, this is great. Um, yeah. But if you look for him, there's a, he's in Hera's ship is in Rogue One, parked at the Yavin Four base, and you can see it in a wide shot. And then Chopper is in a background shot and actually walks past the screen uh, during one of the wide shots, too, and makes his, like, signature, like, beeping noise that he has. So he was very easy. He was easy to spot, too. But um, it was great to see him. Uh, The thing that's kind of, like, a big flag. I'm not saying a red flag. It's the big flag in the sand for (laughs) this show is that they're talking about another galaxy. And Oh yeah. That yeah, is interesting. Kind of, and that is kind of unheard of. Like it's not unheard of in Star Wars, but you know, in the Star Wars what's on the screen, it's unheard of. If you read into the books and stuff, there's definitely other galaxies out there and there's things that come from those other galaxies, which made my brain go, where are we going? What are we doing? What are we tapping into? Because we know Dave's a fan of the old books. So what are we going to be tapping into? We're looking for Thrawn. We're looking for Thrawn. So we could be talking about Chiss space. Chiss is the C-H-I-S. I think there might be two S's. That's his um, his, his species. Um, we could be talking about that. I hope we're, I hope we're not talking about the Yuuzhan Vong territory because that was one of, that's where I felt that the old Star Wars books kind of started falling off the wagon a little bit. Um, right. But we'll see what comes out of this. Um, but that's a big flag in my opinion, like we're talking about another galaxy. So I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, so yeah, Tuesday nights now, not Wednesdays. If you want to like Tuesday night at eight o'clock is when they're dropping. So that explains it. Cause I was expecting it. I knew it was this week and I was expecting it Wednesday. And, uh, I remember like I, on Wednesday, um, I took a break like during my work day and I like, you know, open up Twitter or whatever. And I see all these, uh, Ahsoka spoilers all over. I'm like, who are these people and why do they have time to already watch this? <laughs> yeah, I know. And but knowing that it comes out on Tuesday night, that makes yeah. a lot more sense. They shifted it. They shifted it to a Tuesday release 
And I was like, all right, what does that mean Tuesday? And then what I meant, what they mean is Tuesday is Tuesday at eight o'clock is how it will release from here going forward. So right on. Yeah. Anyway, Ahsoka looks great. I can't wait. So absolutely. For, um, let's jump into news, shall we? Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. Some of these are quick. Um, some of these are long. So let me see. Quick stuff. Let's do quick stuff first. Um, Thor 5 is rumored to be in development. Um, great. Um, so, I mean, Thor Love and Thunder left me a little Thor at the end of it. And I don't know how I, I don't know how I was feeling about it, but it does say Thor will return. Um, and Kevin Feige had said that, um, Thor deserves a, he needs to be worthy of a villain. Like they have to have a villain better than Hera. Um, uh, if they're doing another Thor film and hopefully they bring it back and hope they bring back some of the seriousness and it's not too funny. That's my opinion. <laughs> well, she was, she was a great villain. She's one of the best in the MCU, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've had teases and rumors for beta Ray bill. Like, why don't they bring him yeah. in at all? Um, I thought he was going to be in Thor four, to be honest, but yeah, I know. And they had, um, he was one of the faces carved into, uh, one of the buildings in uh, Ragnarok um, on uh, Jeff Goldblum's planet. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, the thing is, or my reaction to this story is why it's crazy that we're getting five Thor films. Cause when you think about it, we got what three Captain America films, I guess we're going to get a fourth. Um, and then uh, we have, what three Iron Man films? I don't know. It's just it's yeah. just crazy that Thor is like becoming the most prolific Avenger, <laughs> and it's kind of what also is funny is most of the Thor movies were pretty divisive. Like some people liked each one, but a lot of people didn't like, you know, three out of the, <laughs> out of the four movies. Right. So I think that's pretty funny too. <laughs> right. Um, well, also. Marvel was also reportedly working on a Ghost Rider reboot before the strike. So hopefully they're going to get back to it. Um, I think we're down for a Ghost Rider reboot. I think Ghost Rider would fit in well. I wonder if they're going to do the bike or would they do Ghost Rider in the car? Um, Because Ghost Rider traditionally was riding a motorcycle. Um and then, but for a little while there in the comic books, he was driving like a Dodge Charger kind of a yep. car. Um, but my fear about putting him in a car is that because of the type of car it is in the comics, if you're not careful, it could end up looking too much like Robert Pattinson's Batmobile, and then that won't look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, they could really differentiate it when it comes to like flaming wheels and stuff like that. Um, I last I heard, I thought they were going to do the uh, the car version of Ghost Rider. Um, but to me, I mean, visually, I still feel like the classic, you know, flaming skeleton riding a motorcycle. You can't beat how iconic and unique that looks as cool as like some of the Dodge Charger stuff was as far as visuals in the comic. You can't you can't beat a skeleton riding a motorcycle. Like that's just the coolest thing <laughs> ever. You know what I mean? But yeah, this is really interesting. Um, I actually heard another ghost rider rumor and I don't know if that, if you're getting to that at all or not. Uh, no, go ahead. What is it? Oh no, never mind. I didn't hear a rumor. No, I, <laughs> I'm mixing oh. up in my head. Okay. Mixing stuff up in my head. Uh, 
So one of my friends posted online I, the rumor you were just talking about, and uh, there was some of us talking about it where we were saying it'd be better if they just had Nick Cage show up as Ghost Rider in Deadpool 3. <laughs> so that's what it is. So my, my apologies, I misspoke. It wasn't a rumor outside of any group besides my, like, Discord server with my friends online. Right. So disregard. <laughs> disregard right. All right. Um, all right. Here's, uh, all right, per the strike, Dune Part 2 was supposed to release at Christmas. Due to the strike, they have delayed the movie to um, March 15th of 2024. Weird. Okay. Yeah, and I have a feeling... It doesn't say in here. Okay, so... Highly anticipated Doom Part 2 has been pushed back a year to next year amid the ongoing actor strikes, which prevents stars from promoting their product. And that's exactly what I was expecting it to be. Legendary and Warner Brothers' big-budget sequel was slated to open November 3rd. Um, the global rollout went instead. Yeah, March 15th. Okay. This is because they can't have the actors go on talk shows and discuss stuff. Yeah. And there's a big discussion right now saying that's why movies aren't doing well is because no one knows certain movies are coming out. Everyone's in the dark because no one can go on talk shows and be like, hey, this movie's coming out. Um, the marketing's not the same. And that's doesn't really surprise me. Um, because that I feel like a lot of movies are being hit by that. I think Oppenheimer, even though it made a ton of money, Barbie made a ton of money. I be, I, I feel that they were under marketed because they couldn't have like, you know, Killian Murphy couldn't go on Fallon and talk about, hey, you got to go see this movie. Um, yeah. Tom Cruise couldn't go promote, um, you know, Mission Impossible on the, uh, um, you know, talk show circuit. Margot Robbie and Margot Robbie and um, Ryan Gosling should have been all on, like, literally hitting everything together. Like, hey, we have Ken over here. We have Barbie over here. Hey, we got them together. They're talking, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, a good point. I, I don't necessarily know what to say about it, but uh, it is a good point. And um, related to the talk show thing, like, I do really love how the Deadpool movies always use, like, just online viral marketing with like YouTube videos and memes and stuff like that. And I, I would like to see that a little bit more um, as opposed to like, you know, depending on talk shows, but yeah. we're in a strike and it's kind of like, <laughs> there's nothing they can do either way. So yeah, I don't know how this is going to play out. Yeah. Well, um, other things um, coming or not coming, whatever the case may be is um there's apparently a Mission Impossible series that's currently in development for Paramount. Tom Cruise will be producing it. Um, cool. Very little is here. Doesn't know. Doesn't say if Tom Cruise is going to be in it or how it's connected to the films or if they're trying to make a Mission Impossible like universe. I don't know. Um, that's very uh, um, light in terms of news, but uh, I just thought that was kind of cool that there is a show coming. Um, Mission Impossible originally was a show, so we'll see how that comes out. I don't know if they'll be able to do the big stunts the way the movies have been able to. That's That comes down to cost and everything, but, you know. Yeah. No, uh, this, this is pretty exciting. So, All right. Here's a franchise we haven't heard about in a long time. Amazon Prime's Fallout series. Remember bringing this up a long time ago? <laughs> vaguely <laughs> yeah so a long long time ago amazon said that they were going to make a tv series based on the video game fallout um fallout 
um, is a, it's a if you if you don't know the franchise, it's basically a video game where the nuclear bombs went off during the 50s, like the, the big scare that everyone thought was going to happen. The nuclear bombs went off in the 50s. But a large handful of people were able to get put into underground bunkers or in the video game they were called vaults. The you play a character in the game that is getting out of the vault for the first time like decades after the nuclear bombs went off. And you get to explore the wasteland and go on the adventure and you know meet characters and all that nonsense and fight the bad guys and when you get out there it's a desolate apocalyptic uh, nuclear wasteland of like weird creatures that have like mutated because of the uh, the radiation and you have like Mad Max style gangs like still looting and raiding looking for whatever supplies they can and so on it's a really cool idea for a video game Amazon's going to make a series uh, we haven't talked nice. about it in a really long time um, a quick development. Um, it's going to be set in the city of Los Angeles. Thought that was kind okay. of cool. So 1950s yeah. LA, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, could yeah, that cool. sounds awesome. <laughs> could be cool as long as they handle it correctly. Um, all right, I want to save that for the last bit. All right, I finally am getting some of this stuff to my shelf, and this is difficult because I'm a collector. Um, nice. Officially announced, Disney has announced that some of their streaming shows from Disney Plus will be getting home release, Blu-ray releases. Um, now, I collect, I have on my own, inadvertently, by the time Endgame came out, I had collected all of the Marvel films. And I was like, well, I got to keep this collection going because it's going to look really impressive on the shelf. So I have been collecting the Blu-rays for every release of the movies. But they yeah. haven't been releasing the shows. And I'm like, how, what am I going to do if they start releasing these shows? Officially, they will be releasing Loki Season 1 and WandaVision on Blu-ray. Um, Loki comes out September 26th. WandaVision comes out September no, uh, November 28th. Okay. Here's the important one for me because I have placeholders already on the shelf for these, hoping that they would <laughs> release these is nice. that they will be releasing Mandalorian Season 1 on December 12th and Mandalorian Season 2 on December 12th. So 1 and 2 come out on the same day. And they have steelbook cases. There's images online for all these. They look gorgeous. Um, my thing is is that I really, like, for me, Star Wars is a have-to-own the hard copies. Yeah. So I hope that they do all of the Disney Plus shows so I can have them on the shelf, so I can be like, hey, this is how you watch Star Wars in this order, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I Drew, I know that you are going to definitely buy all of the uh, Star Wars series on uh, Blu-ray because I know you're that you're that collector. You know, you're going to have every hard copy of every iteration of Star Wars on your shelf. And it's awesome. Uh, Marvel shows. I mean, that's a little bit of it depends on how, you know, are you a big enough fan? And I do think having all of the MCU movies on the shelf and not having the TV shows, I still think it looks really cool and it's impressive. Um, the tough call with the Marvel shows is if you do buy Loki or you buy Wanda WandaVision, I think you're committing to, you're going to have to get all the shows. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy who only has WandaVision on the shelf and doesn't have 
Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and She-Hulk and, you know, all the rest of them. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that, too. Um, All right. Um, You've heard the news about Snow White being under fire, right? Uh, Yes. I mean, I specifically I don't know what direction you're going, but there's been a lot of weird controversies with this film. So... People are enraged with this, and we don't really ever talk about this. I try and I don't like talking about the PC stuff. I want to talk about things that we like and enjoy, and not dive into some of this stuff. But this is this Snow White movie is is like completely out of control in terms of yeah. some stuff that I don't understand. In a world where we do everything we can to not offend people, this movie is just out of control. Um, the movie. Um, And I don't want to get into like a racial discussion, but what's interesting is the realm of casting, like not offending people. So let's cast appropriately and all that stuff. And I don't have any problems with the casting of the evil queen. I think Gal Gadot is a great choice for that. Rachel Ziegler, who got cast as Snow White, um, is essentially um, she, she might be a wonderful actress, but what's interesting about Snow White is Rachel Ziegler is not white. And the thing online that people have been screaming about is that Snow White is the fairest of them all. And I'm putting up air quotes. I know it's an audio podcast, but she's the fairest of them all, referring to the color of her skin in those lines of dialogue. And she's all her character also comes from German folklore, which is also white and She's Snow White, and the character's name was created off because of her color of the skin. And right, which that's why people are screaming because Rachel Ziegler is not. She's Latina, which is, again, she's she's a good actress and she's a good singer. But that's not sometimes why you cast. Um, And she's been making a lot of crazy comments like in where she can talk in interviews She's been making some crazy comments that have gotten people like really upset. Like you guys are totally destroying this film that Walt created. It was like Walt's baby. It was like the, it's like, this is Disney history created by Walt. It was his first choice for a film. His daughter voiced the character, like all this stuff. Um, the seven dwarves are not dwarves. Um, In, in a world where we're not trying to offend anybody and we want to have inclusivity and like um, make sure people are represented, they didn't cast any l- little people. And you would think in a world where we don't want to offend anybody, we would make sure we cast little people to play the little people characters. That's just what goes in my head. You know, they're instead they cast a whole bunch of people that are like, quote unquote, non-binary let's make sure everyone's included and covered in all of these characters things. And the internet is just going nuts about destroying this movie. Um, the, the son of the original director for the film. So not Walt's son. So like Walt didn't direct the original snow white. Another, uh, there was another director that did. So his son said in a, uh, in an interview, I'm, I totally disagree with it. And I know my dad and Walt would also very much disagree with it. There is no respect for what Disney did and what my dad did. I think Walt and he would be turning in their graves. 
Um, and there's been a lot of that kind of talk, too. Like, people are just angry about the Snow White thing. I'm very, very curious to see how this plays out. I'm very, very curious to see what the box office dollars do on this. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but this has kind of been an interesting movie story to follow. Um, so, yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I know it's a lot to unpack, but thoughts or no? It's a lot to unpack, and um, it's one of those, like, I don't know what I should should or shouldn't say. Um, that's, why, this, that's why I try and stay away from stories like this, because it's hard to talk, because we live in a culture where if I say the wrong thing, you lose listeners, or you get canceled, or you like, you know what I mean? It's weird, but we got to be able to talk about this somehow. You know what I mean? So, that's, so yeah. if, you don't, if you don't want to comment, no worries, I'm not going to make you. <laughs> No, it's just like for me, um, and I've said this a lot of a lot in the past, and a lot of times I just use it as a butt end of a joke. But like, you go back to the classic Disney films, you go back to like Pinocchio, Alice in Wonderland, uh, The Jungle Book, Snow White. Um, you know, just all the classic movies. Like, there's so much good craft there. They're like sort of these like tent poles of animation that have really stood the test of time. And for me, that's where my Disney fandom sort of lies is like these amazingly crafted classic animation films and uh some of the newer live action stuff I've enjoyed like I thought Beauty and the Beast was pretty good I thought Jungle Book was really fun that might be my favorite out of the newer like live action versions but there's also part of me that feels like a lot of the newer live action movies feel a little empty because you're missing the magic of what you can do with hand-drawn animation and anybody who who has listened to the podcast probably knows that I'm a big art nerd like I actually think artwork and artists and animation and stuff that's like kind of where my nerdy focus probably lies more than even like you know superhero factoids and science fiction tidbits and stuff I think I'm I'm more of an art nerd than anything so I just like even though some of the newer live action stuff has been good, my attention with Disney films has always been on the past. Um, that's just like kind of where my attention goes with it. So this Snow White stuff, I honestly like I've been seeing a lot of the backlash, but part of me like, I guess I haven't felt that invested in it because it's me going like, well, the original Snow White is like a triumph of a film. Um, I think it won some academy awards and a lot of people yep. consider the original snow white walt disney's best film um and so like i'm like i love the original film i don't even know if i'm gonna watch the newer one i'm not saying anybody should or shouldn't watch it it's just i don't know if i will so i've kind of been pretty removed from all the backlash um the one thing that i do think is really interesting is how they didn't cast, or I think they cast, like, one little person as one of the dwarves in the movie, and uh, a lot of Hollywood actors that are little people have kind of came out, like, kind of mad about that, like, hey, this is, this is a chance that you could have casted seven people from this marginalized group, and you kind of dro dropped the ball, but then you also have, like, Peter Dinklage, who has came out and said, like, the opposite thing, like, that the seven dwarfs is an outdated trope, and that's offensive, and I feel like, I think my basic grasp on the whole situation is I feel like we live in a time and place where 
everybody's so concerned about offending each other that it's actually becoming a detriment to how we all function in society where like Disney is trying so hard not to offend people with the Snow White film that they actually are offending people. And like, you want to have a good heart and you want to do good things, but you have to, at a certain point, you don't want to go so far that it actually becomes harmful or a detriment. And I feel like this is a weird case of that a little bit, but it's also sure. like, I don't necessarily know. Cause I'm also like, like I'm not a little person myself. So I can't, I feel like I can't even fully comment on it at the same time. But, uh, where was I going with this? The thing with, uh, is it, what's the Snow White actress's name? Is it uh, Rachel Zegler? Yeah. Yeah. She, I think, is kind of... So in the MCU, you had Tom Holland, who would go out and he would go on talk shows and he would spoil things for upcoming movies. And it came to the point where the MCU had to, like, not let Tom Holland know spoilers. And they had to kind of, like make sure that he wasn't going to say anything stupid on talk shows. And it was actually quite endearing because how Tom Holland was just so excited to be playing Spider-Man that he was going to accidentally say the wrong thing on camera. And I feel like Rachel Zegler has a uh, similar problem, but it's one of those things where she's just going on talk shows and saying too much, like maybe saying her opinion too much. And it's just turning people off. Like maybe she doesn't have any sort of reverence to the original Snow White. But when you're playing Snow White, you don't go on a talk show and tell everybody that, you know, you you kind of keep that bottled up because even though it is your opinion and there's nothing wrong with that, you just don't say things to piss people off. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's a similar situation, just like she's saying too much and she's being way too candid in moments that she shouldn't be. But I don't know, as far as the whole situation, like this is a really tough thing to comment on and yeah. i mean do you have a, i know you kind of went over the everything did you have any personal takes on all of this or are you just kind of like i don't i don't i just i feel like disney's being blamed for a uh what looks like a trend in the direction of like wokeism which seems to be right, like right. What a lot of these are what a lot of these things are a lot of the complainings being pointed at um, I don't want to speak for Disney because I don't know, but um, I just I, I'm really curious to see how this movie performs because I feel like this and I and this is literally like I'm at work and I hear people talking about like shitty decisions and stuff just based on this alone. Like, oh, they're making a Snow White. Yeah, I saw that blah, 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 and they immediately start ragging on these casting choices and, like, what's going on in the movies and all that stuff, and people are just angry, and I'm just really kind of curious to see how it plays out, so uh, we'll see. I'm sure it'll make some money. I'm sure people will go. I'm sure people are not tuned in to the movie news the way you and I are, so we'll see what happens. Um, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but we'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about my favorite story of the week. The Rebel Moon trailer came out. Nice. Um, Good way to turn it around. <laughs> I know. Let's talk about this because <laughs> kind of this, is, this is awesome. Um, all right. So Rebel Moon, just a quick recap. We haven't talked about this in a little while. Um, Zack Snyder um, had an idea for a movie that he thought maybe could be a Star Wars movie. He pitches it to Lucasfilm and they say, yeah, let's do it. And then 
I believe, and I'm not 100% on this, but I believe that's when all the Snyder Cut stuff was happening, which made Zack Snyder kind of a... Um, it became a, a bit of a toxic name in the industry. And then yeah. what, and then they said, no, we're not going to do this movie. And Zack Snyder said, well, I'm going to make it anyway. And goes over to Netflix and says, we're going to make this movie called Rebel Moon. I'm going to make it so it's not Star Wars. And we're going to tell our own thing. And the movie, like, I, that's basically, that's like a real short Reader's Digest version of what's going on, if you, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are you with me on that one? Do you have anything to add? Like, I just think you had a good call with, uh, you know, after Zack Snyder was dropped by Warner Brothers and he takes this uh, Rebel Moon concept to Disney and pitches it to them for Star Wars. I feel like that is a good call. Like maybe that's why they didn't hire him, because, yes, like Zack Snyder is a divisive name. Like he in my opinion, he has been since uh really man of steel but he's been a real divisive name since batman v superman but um the other thing is i feel like you got to remember disney had the last jedi which was a very divisive film and i feel like disney might be uh or star wars might be trying to not make not rock the boat too much because they're still in the place of trying to win some of the fans back especially in that time period so that could factor into it as well um and not to go on a huge last jedi tangent or anything like that but uh yeah what were you saying (laughs) no i was just saying so let's talk about the trailer real quick um all right so first off real quick before we go into the trailer the movie releases on december 22nd on netflix um, I'm really excited about this because I'm on vacation and people are going to have to leave the house and go to work and school and stuff like that. So I'm getting up in the morning and I'm going to like get my bowl of cereal and I'm going to sit down on the couch and have the house to myself and watch Rebel Moon. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I love those like Christmas release dates for movies. Like that's always like such a cool thing. I know. So uh, Rebel Moon releases on December 22nd. Part one. Part two releases in April. Um Yeah. That made me really kind of excited that we're doing two movies, which is great. Um, Zack Snyder said um, he said it in an interview with GamesCon at GamesCon in Germany. Um, he showed off the trailer, and then while there, he mentioned that this film drew inspiration. A lot of the imagery and stuff drew inspiration from um, getting the team together movies. Like you have a team that has to work on achieving a goal and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. He also said, like, the Dirty Dozen and that kind of thing. He also said that he drew inspiration from imagery from the um, heavy metal magazines back in the 80s. Um, <laughs> which, That's great. watching the trailer, absolutely. Um, what's interesting I found out about the, which I, what I think I thought was really interesting about the movie, Peter, is the um, the fact that the movie itself, it looks like, okay, so... This is essentially a Star Wars movie that's not Star Wars or could have been a Star Wars movie because they passed on it. It's going to be something else. And he made it so much not Star Wars that it looks like an original thing. Yeah. And it looks like high fantasy. Like like a Willow or a Conan the Barbarian or those kind of things. It just happens to be in space. Mm-hmm. You know, 
but it looks wild. It looks crazy. It looks like there's concepts, there's ideas, there's creatures and stuff. I'm like, I can't wait to see these things in action. Like that weird, like spider looking thing. I'm like, what, what is this? This is yeah. awesome. The sword. Yeah, have... Sorry, oh, I was just going to comment. You have the, uh, you have like the spider cyborg character that looks like it's something straight out of Alita battle angel. And then you have all the space fight scenes that look like star Wars. And then you have imagery that looks like it's ranging anything from like Lord of the Rings to like Clash of the Titans, sort of like mytholo- mythological stuff, and it's such a fun mix of things. But uh, no, what were you saying about the swords? <laughs> well, they have these swords that like look like lightsabers, but like when you looked at how they move on screen, and I watched the trailer twice to like look at a couple things because you know I'm not a guy that watches a trailer like multiple times. I don't do that anymore. I did it a long time ago, and it kind of ruined a movie for me, and I don't do that anymore. I kind of watched the trailer the one time, and just that's right. what I saw, and it's great. It got me excited. This is one where I don't know the franchise. I don't know the story. I don't know anything. So I was like, I don't mind watching this trailer twice because I don't really know anything. But these, yeah. like, they look like lightsabers, but the way they moved and, like, the the CGI tracking or whatever, like, they just moved differently, and I'm like, wow, these are really cool-looking laser sword thingies, whatever they happen to be. Um, yeah, it almost yeah. looked like a lightsaber if it was actually made out of plasma, to the fact that where you when you s- swing it, there was like a trail of light behind it as well. Um, but at the same time, they look kind of like... Uh, flaming katanas like if you had a katana Mm -hmm. and the blade was lit on fire it kind of looks like that too and uh i don't know i think it might be the one the one character might be the only one with that kind of sword but you watch the trailer more than me so you might have more insight into that but uh if it wasn't for the lightsaber stuff again kind of what you're saying i don't know if i would compare this to star wars at all and watching the trailer it was really hard to get yourself to forget this was a pitched Star Wars plot because you're watching the trailer and you are picking up those similarities. You know, you're picking up there's there's some sort of like evil force or army and like you're thinking like, oh, was this going to be like the Empire or was this going to be something else? And there is a little bit of you that's trying to (laughs) pick up the pieces of, you know, how is this originally going to fit into the Star Wars universe? And I feel like that's the biggest challenge with this film is just getting yourself to let go of that, to forget about it, because it looks like we're in store for a lot of really, really cool stuff. So that's just really exciting, you know? I'm with you. And what you say is like, okay, that is clearly the Empire or whatever. When When those shots came up, I was like, all right, I know what that is. But at the same time, I don't know what that is. And I found it really easy to take myself out of the equation and just see it for what I was looking at. And I just got more and more excited in terms of what the heck am I looking at? Absolutely. Uh, The thing that baffles me to my core is that it's a streaming movie. Okay. now Zack Snyder is known for director's cuts and it's a streaming film. And a lot of times director's cuts happen because they have to cut a movie down to theatrical length. They want it to be a specific length, so they have to cut it down so they can make box office dollars to make money, right? Well, this is a streaming movie. So um, Zack Snyder, um, his movie Rebel Moon, it, after the first trailer dropped, okay, um, 
they are already dis- the director is already revealing plans for another longer version of the product project, including roughly an hour of additional footage. So a Rebel Moon director's cut is close to an hour of extra content. Um, nice. In a streaming world, why wouldn't you just give us the full thing and not have a separate director's cut? Like, why would you? Why would you have a director's cut? on a streaming service if that's the only place it's releasing or is he and that's the part i don't know are they releasing it so it can release in theaters and then be on netflix as a streamer because i know a lot of netflix movies are still getting uh theatrical releases um and that might be why i might have answered my own question but i was like so, what why are we doing this <laughs> i might have i might have missed this and sorry if i did but is the director's cut releasing at the same time I or don't is it going to release later? I don't know, but that's my concern because now it's like, well, did you watch Rebel Moon? No, because I'm waiting for the director's cut. <laughs> it could be, and it it could be, and it could even be a gimmicky thing. But they might be like, okay, the Snyder cut did so well on HBO Max, we need this movie to have a Snyder cut. You know, we'll do yeah, the theatrical cut, but we're going to release the Snyder cut a year later to drum up more hype for it. And yeah. uh, that sounds goofy. But I think it really does. I think that people at uh, Hollywood studios and stuff think that way. And I think I honestly don't have that much of a problem with it either, because I think it's going to be Rebel Moon's going to come out. We're all going to watch it. And I do think when they release the (laughs) Snyder Cut version of it, I think it might be a good way to rewatch the film and get something new out of it. And I I think that's kind of fun, you know, so. Sure. Well, I'm with you on that. I just. I just thought it was interesting that I'm like, why would they be releasing a theater uh, director's yeah. cut? Something that's going to streaming. But <laughs> that's me. I didn't know. Uh, but no, <laughs> That's why is... I feel like it's kind of gimmicky. But at the same time, I'm not against it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it just looks like a ton of fun. It looks like a roller coaster. It looks epic. It looks... I, I, I don't know if I could put it to words, but it, it looks great. And I'm really excited to see it. Um, one of the things that they asked uh, Scott uh, Zack Snyder when he was at GamesCon is if there were any video game franchises that he'd be interested in turning into a movie. Nice. Uh, Zack Snyder said he's a big fan of Gears of War. Do it, Zack. I know you're listening. <laughs> Do it. Like I want. I'd be a great director for that. <laughs> he would. And now, and when he said that, I was like, "You're the only guy I can see directing that movie. Like, do it." <laughs> Um, and then in the same interview, he also said he was a massive fan of the Halo franchise. And I'm like, do it. It's going to be way better than Paramount. <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's you will great. keep the Master Chief's head on and you'll probably cast Steve Downs to actually voice the character. So do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, that's my rant. But I just um, get those movies made, and then I can't wait to see Rebel Moon. It just looks so cool. And it's also going to be rated R. So it's literally like, and he said that, he said in some of his context, conversations with Lucasfilm, he kept going, any chance I can make a rated R Star Wars? And <laughs> that might be one of the reasons why they passed on it, but he's like, you know what? It's And Deborah Snyder was with him in the interview, and she said that knowing that it could be, it wasn't under Star Wars, she said it was making me a little happy. And she had a really cool quote. She said, I was really glad that it wasn't going to be under the Star Wars banner because we had such an experience with the DC universe and we learned about canon 
And we learned that when you do a franchise movie, there's rules you have to follow yep. because of the canon. And when we made this movie, it was it's 100% original. It got to be our own thing. So there's no rules for us to follow because yeah. we created the rules. And I think that's amazing. And yes, and it lends to my statement very early in the show when I said franchise fatigue, I think people are going to be wanting more original content. And yes, I want to see the Marvel next Marvel movie. I want to see the next DC movie. I want to see the next Star Wars movie. But I want cool original stuff. Like last year, Bullet Train came out, and I thought that was awesome. But it was an original story. It was an original movie, and I had a, so much fun watching it. That's a perfect yeah. example of what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, that's what I got for you. That's the news for this week. Um, right on. Uh, do you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So we're going to talk about tonight's list. Um, let's roll the thing. For the top five. Peter, um, this was your list. Um, so why don't you explain what we're what and why we're discussing, and then um, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, um, I think the way I phrased it was our top five favorite com- competitive video game moments. So these are kind of just stories that you've had that you thought were funny or memorable from uh, kind of like your own personal video game experiences and uh i think this one is a fun list because when i think back through the years i have a handful of stories that i think are pretty funny that involve video games but also like when it comes into multiplayer stuff when it comes to a lot of the hilarity that used to happen at like land parties and stuff like that i think there's just a lot of really funny stuff to talk about uh the drawback to this list is drew like for me and you, these lists are pretty personal, so I hope we don't lose any <laughs> listeners there. But I do think we're going to talk about some fun video games that everybody can relate to. And uh, that was really what it was. It was just I knew I had a couple like really funny moments that I kind of thought it would be fun to talk about. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts here? All right. Well, I found this list interesting and weird to put together because, like you said, I'm trying to think of like really cool just moments and competition and it's not like i go compete i'm not like a pro gamer right yeah (laughs) i I just found this to be a weird list to put together um i did find or at least i thought i found some decent um stuff to talk about um i'm gonna preface and say that i when it comes to multiplayer games halo is my game and i say that because um uh one two three Three of mine, one honorable mention, and then two on my list are Halo specific. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, I have. Uh, yeah, no, yep, that's right. One of my my honorable mention, and then two specific things are Halo specific, and that's just because I played that one. When it comes to multiplayer, that's the one I play the most. Um, but that's really all I got there. So. Um, we can jump right in what you want. I only have one honorable mention because I was having trouble thinking. So I have none. So interesting. <laughs> it goes to you for a change. Yeah, it's always me with the honorable you with the honorable mentions. OK, um, so my first my honorable mention, my only honorable mention is current. And when I say current, um, Halo Infinite is uh, the current version of Halo. Um, 
the, yes, I'm not going to talk about the game having its ups and downs and people liking or disliking the game. Here's the thing. I'm a Halo guy, and I will always play Halo, whatever iteration it is. And I'm having a blast with Halo Infinite. Um, recently, and when I say recent, probably like a couple months ago, I was playing one night. Uh, we were playing uh, Capture the Flag on one of the maps, and the way Capture the Flag works in Halo is, is a couple rounds. And so it was a one-flag game, so it's like you have an attacking team and a defending team. So it was a, we captured the flag, so we run the first round. They captured the flag, so they won the second round. So we go to round three. We prevented them from capturing the flag, so we won the round. They prevented us from capturing the flag, so they won the round. <laughs> so now we have to go to a tiebreaker round. So it's like a round five, which doesn't often happen. So we go to this tiebreaker, and we're on the um, attacking to do the tiebreaker, we're on the, the attacking. If we can steal the flag, we win. If they can prevent us, they win. We got all the way down to time out. Like, end time was at the end of time. So the game can't end because someone's carrying the flag. So we have to go to sudden death. Now, so there's like 30 seconds extra added to the clock. The guy gets killed. I grabbed the flag and ran it and the timer, and I was literally watching the clock as I'm running towards the post and I hit the <laughs> capture point at the one second mark for the victory. Nice. Um, and I saved the clip to my Xbox because I'm like, I am saving this. <laughs> um, it was awesome. I'm like, it was literally like, and the clip I have saved is literally just me grabbing it and running it in. But if you look at the timer, it literally just goes and three, two, one, and then I win the game. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was like, it's like that, uh, <laughs> it's like that you're watching the bomb count down in like the, in the movie and like, you know, they're going to stop it at the one second mark. I'm like, get there, get there, get there, get there. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what um, I, I'm realizing we're probably going to have kind of different lists because a lot of my picks are very just like stupid inside jokes and funny stuff that happens that has happened with me and my friends. And it sounds like your list is going to be very tactics and gameplay based, which is probably way more ap appropriate. So <laughs> we'll, well have a good balance with this. I, one, I realize but. as you say that it's not like it's more appropriate or balanced uh, or tactical based. It's the fact that I think I play more multiplayer games than you do. <laughs> probably, um, probably. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I got to do my first one, don't I? Because this is your list. Yeah. All right. So my first one is a is another Halo um, uh, story. This is back in the this is Halo 2. Um, Halo 3 had not come out yet. We were on the brink of Halo 3 coming out. We were just getting news and everything for it. Um, maybe seeing some images. I think the trailer had dropped. But this was also back in the LAN party days where yeah. um, people actually got together and had to drag their Xboxes and TVs over to someone's house to do a LAN party. Well, I was at work, and some of the guys were talking about doing a Halo LAN party. They're like, we haven't done one of those in a while. Let's do a Halo LAN party. And I hadn't really played with these guys. I had never actually played with them online or anything like that, but they knew I was a Halo guy, so they invited me over. And they were it was kind of turning into a fairly big party, and I was like, yeah, I'll come. It's a Halo LAN party. I'm there. You tell me where, and I'll go. Um, but they were talking a lot of shit. I mean, a lot. Like, they're the greatest <laughs> players on the face of the planet. Like, a lot. I mean, I mean, to the point where, like, if I said I was good, 
they'd probably laugh at me. So I literally just kept my mouth shut. And for me, the best weapon that Halo ever made was the battle rifle or the BR as, as we call right. it in Halo world. And I joke, I, I like to say that I'm surgical with the battle rifle and it's because of this moment. And I remember we were playing, we were on blood Gulch or coagulation in Halo two. And I ran and got the battle rifle like I always do. And then if you just looked at the scoreboard at any point in the game, it's like what like there were people that I didn't know playing. And I eventually heard someone at some point going, seriously, who is the guy that is surgical with the battle rifle? <laughs> like, <laughs> it didn't matter. It was just like pop, pop, dead, pop, pop, dead, pop, pop, dead. Like it's just like, <laughs> and they were getting really angry, like, seriously, who is this? And eventually I told them it was me. And they're like, why didn't you say you were this good? I'm like, because you guys were being like real shitty about how good you guys were. So <laughs> it was awesome. a really funny moment. So like when I joke and say that I'm surgical with the battle rifle, it's because of that moment. And that's my favorite gun. It's like, as soon as I get it, that's, that's how I rack up all my kills. Cause I just love that weapon. But so yeah, that's a, yeah, a lot to go off there, but I do feel like surgical with the battle rifle could be an excellent title for this uh, episode, but also um, the battle rifle, great weapon, super versatile. Like, you can it works for ranged stuff it works for close-up attacks you're right it is one of the best uh weapons that was ever in any of the halo games but uh no i just love that and i love the uh just the whole aspect of like you're playing against this new group of guys they are talking so much crap you know talking such a big game and then just being able to put them in their place i think that's hilarious so yeah and I wasn't trying to put them in their place. I just was like, well, I'm going to grab the battle rifle and play my game. And it was just, I was just owning them. So anyway. Awesome. Um, all right, man, what's your first one? Yeah, my my first one, I could keep this pretty short. Um, I'm changing my order a bit, but I could, uh, I'm going to go with another Halo moment. And it's more just, uh, it was more just an experience than a moment, I guess. But I always loved in the original Halo playing uh, rockets, you know, unlimited rocket launchers on the map Wizard. Um, so that's my first memory is just going to uh, I remember one specific land party back in the day. And Drew, I feel like you were probably there, too. And we just had like I feel like we played just unlimited rockets on the wizard map just for hours. And anybody who's unfamiliar, wizard is like the map that's like super multi-leveled like i feel like there's probably seven different levels to it and it's kind of just this like really tight ravine with a bunch of stairways and different levels and you're everybody's sniping each other out and shooting each other but when everybody has rocket launchers there's this effect where you get like to the top like most level of this map and then you jump down and start shooting rocket launchers down and then it makes everybody just kind of explode and go different directions and it's a close enough quarters of a map that you have no idea like at any moment you are just going to explode and like so this one is like kind of a competitive story like it was a LAN party. We were all playing against each other, trying to have the most kills, but it was also a huge cluster F of a situation because it was just like, no matter how good you are, you weren't going to be that good, but it was hilarious to play. And I remember uh, making a joke after one of the matches because throughout the room, you could just hear everybody screaming because how much 
they were blowing up and i was like all right you want to have a fun fun game count the damn it's because it's just constantly people going damn it damn it damn it because they kept dying and it was amazing but uh i think so, another oh sorry what you're saying i was just gonna say so wizard one thing about that map is that there is a central platform oh yeah there's and then there's four platforms that are meant to be like so you get up on them and then you jump onto the center platform and right right if you play king of the hill on that map the central platform becomes the hill that you have to stand in to accrue the time in the hill to be like, so whoever has the most time in the hill wins, right? Yeah. So you'd have to get on a platform and then jump into the middle. And what I was doing, because it was unlimited rockets, what I was doing was I never actually like went up there. I tried a couple times, but like you get blasted <laughs> out so quick because everyone's just shooting it. What I found was as I just ran in a circle around the central platform and as I saw someone jumping, I would shoot the platform they're jumping from so the concussive blast would kill them. So they would nice. die midair instead of like, so I wouldn't actually shoot them. I'd shoot the platform. So the blast would kill them as they jumped. So it was literally like bang, bang, bang. And I just literally just ran in a circle. And anytime I saw a person getting ready to jump, I'd shoot the platform. <laughs> and I remember someone yelling, hey, Drew, you you're you're totally losing this game and i said yeah well look at my kill count <laughs> you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and uh i i actually don't remember if the specific game i was talking about was king of the hill or not but for all i remember it was just a giant free-for-all just like everybody killing sure. each other because it was that chaotic so there could have been a kill uh, king of the hill game going on that i would just wasn't aware of because again it was just like yeah. chaos ensuing so it was great and like the thing you have to remember too is this was a game and or this <sighs> specific land party i feel like there was at least 10 to 15 people there if not more yeah. so it was a massive group of people all <laughs> playing on the wizard map so that was great <laughs> yeah all right um so my next one is a game called cool borders back from playstation oh One. yeah now, yeah, classic. Now, yes, the full game was great. However, the competitive moment was the Christmas at our cousin's house that someone got. I don't remember what game it was, but Cool Borders was on there as a demo because back in the day they used to put demos for other games on the on the disc for the game. So you put the disc in the machine and you turn it on. And you're like, oh, we're gonna play this, but there's happened to be, oh, there's a demo. Cool, what's the demo? And this one happened to be cool. Yeah. The Cool Borders demo, it's it's a snowboarding game, but it was literally like, um, it was literally like just one snowboarding uh, slope, one slope, and it was constant. It was just nonstop. Everyone was taking turns to see who could get the fastest down the mountain. Yeah. Like, just getting better and better. It was just over and over and over again. That's the only, like, we played it for hours. And it was just that one course because we just kept reloading the demo. And, like, all right, your turn. All right, your turn. And so on and so on. It was such a fun day in terms of just playing. Like, you're just like, and then I'm just like, I leave the, I leave the Christmas party. And I'm like, got to go buy Cool Borders, apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. 
So I, I was there for this as well, and uh, that's a really fun story. I actually forgot about this one, but it should have made my list. But I do remember having a blast just with all the cousins, everybody just on the edge of their seat trying to get the fastest time. And uh, I wish I re- could remember which uh, slope that was. But um, Cool Borders 2 is also like pretty hard when it comes to it, because the, the controls for Cool Borders 2 are very specific like in order to go fat fast you have to press down on the d-pad and that's uh it's got a very unique set of movements and controls you have to remember and uh if you compare it to like the tony hawk games or even cool borders 3 or any game that came after it cool borders 2 feels a lot more arcadey and a lot more specific with the controls because uh i actually found an old uh copy of cool borders that i don't know if it was disc replay or like at a goodwill or something but trying to play it it's actually pretty hard to get back in that cool borders 2 mindset and remember how all the controls work and stuff like that but uh yeah definitely a good call with this one all right man what's your next one yeah so my next one um i'm calling the asteroids showdown (laughs) of course i make stupid titles for all my uh picks but Essentially, this was, um, I remember one of my friends was going to an arcade with his older brother and his older brother's friends. And it was one of those things where he was like, hey, you should meet up with us. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I met up with them. And it was one of those arcades where you, um, where, where you like pay $20 and then you can play any game unlimited for the rest of the day. It was that sort of thing. So I remember hanging out and uh, one of my friends, this is kind of a side note, but one of my friend's older brother's friends who was there was a uh, legitimate sniper in the U.S. military, in the U.S. military. Like, I think he I think it was from the army, but I don't remember what branch, but he was like a legit sniper. And that guy played nothing but rail shooters the whole time. And he was freaking amazing at rail shooters. Like you would just sit him, sit and watch this guy play those. And his precision and speed was just like, it was like a treat to watch, to watch that guy play any rail shooter in the arcade. But uh, for whatever reason, at the end of the night, the whole group congregated around this uh, asteroids machine. And for some reason, we are all getting really into asteroids and uh, everybody's taking turns and uh, we were all getting high scores. And I think the thing was, it was like kind of a, I don't know how to phrase this. It was like a remade asteroids machine. Like it wasn't a classic machine from the eighties. It was like a newer refurbished, like brand new asteroids machine. And I think that's why we were getting all the high scores, because nobody else had really played the game yet. (laughs) But it was a fresh enough thing that our group could really get competitive. And for whatever reason it was, the controls of Asteroids were accessible enough that just everybody in the group just glommed onto this thing. And uh, it was just a blast. And uh, I don't think I had the top score. I think I had second or third place by the end of the night but i remember it being a ton of fun and uh, if i ever could find that machine again i'm sure i'm not even on the top scores anymore but it was one of those a fresh enough machine that we were able to have that really cool experience with it you know yeah yeah, yeah. um i've have i had anything like old school like that no not really not on my list um aside from like telling like aside from like mario like speed run like hey let's see let's see what you can do kind of things like, yeah 
I haven't done anything like uh, an asteroids uh, thing. I did learn some stuff about the old school Galaga. That I okay. That like there's a there's a spaceship that it looks like an enemy, but if you kill everything on the screen and leave that by itself, it'll fly down and grab you and like capture you, and then it spits you back out and you get a double ship to fight with. Oh, cool. So, like, you get, like, double can like, you get extra cannons and stuff that are, like, specifically, like, I'm just like, whoa, seriously? <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket for the next time I have to do, like, a Galaga challenge. Um, <laughs> That's great. Um, all right, so my next one is a game called, I believe it was Burnout 2. This is a racing game um, on the PlayStation I'm pretty sure it's Burnout 2, because uh, I think Burnout 3 was on, like, a later system. Anyway, we were at a friend's house one night. Um, it was literally, like, kind of a gathering. We were just hanging out, having some drinks, whatever. And two of the guys were playing Burnout 2, and they were just racing each other. And one of them, like, got mad and walked away, and the other one kept playing, and he pulls up a feature on there. It was, like, this crash feature, where, like, you literally just crash the car. Like, you drive in a straight line and hit a car, and it goes from there. But the way it works was, it was like traffic. So, like, you're on a highway, and traffic is stopped. And you just go flying into the traffic, and you hit the car, and then your car flips up, and you hit the next car into the next car, and you're you're damaging all these vehicles. The whole point of this feature was to rack up cr- money, like like the insurance claim. Like, how high, how much damage can you cause insurance? in terms of insurance dollars. (laughs) Um, And like that drew a crowd in the sense that the entire party was like watching, like everyone at the party was watching and it became this like (laughs) big, like, all right, dude, you're up. Let's see what you got. And like, there were conversations like, all right, hold on. If I hit the semi first, that should cause the most damage because then the semi will hit this and so on and so on. (laughs) And you were like tactically plotting out what I'm going to hit first to like cause damage that would, springboard off the next to the next to the next um it was a lot of fun i had a blast that night just you know <laughs> crashing cars that's awesome um yeah that's cool too the aspect of um everybody just kind of crowding around the tv and watching that and uh in the, the was, age of smartphones i feel like those moments don't happen enough you know they don't and it was weird because like you're you're it's you just start with a couple guys and then suddenly it's like more people and then more people and suddenly you look around like literally the whole party's watching this right now (laughs) well it goes back to the you know back to the old days when you'd be hanging out at your house playing a video game and a friend would come over and uh, you'd just be like oh uh, you know, give me a couple of minutes. I'm just playing Metal Gear Solid. Just let me get to a save point or something like that. And then you'd yeah. play. And your friend would be sitting there watching. And then all of a sudden, like a full hour goes by. You know, <laughs> your friend, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm still playing this. We can do something else. And then your friend's like, no, I'm actually enjoying watching you play the game. Right. And you're just like, oh, okay. And like, I feel like in the age of everybody playing video games remotely it those moments don't always happen like everything is so online now uh Mm. that you don't get those fun just like watching each other play sort of times so yeah all right man uh what do you got for me in the next one yeah so my next one uh is pretty ridiculous but i think it's pretty funny um this is a while back but i went with some friends to a local um college in our area where they had it was 
technically an anime convention, but what it really was was the anime club at the college kind of created their own convention. So it was kind of one of those things where you go to the college, um, there's they kind of like rented out a couple rooms for this convention of theirs. So you'd have like a couple rooms that were basically like a makeshift artist alley. And then you'd have, they had like a, this big game room, which was actually pretty sweet where they had like 20 different video game systems with, you know, old tube TVs set up and you could just chill there and play games. And uh, I don't remember if they had any panels or anything, but the big draw at this like mini convention that we went to was they had video game tournaments going on like all day they were having like fighting game tournaments or they had like a Mario Kart tournament and they just had a lot of fun stuff like that. And uh, one thing that me and uh, all my friends, there's probably like, you know, seven to ten of us there um, out of my friend group, we all signed up for a uh, retro video game tournament and we didn't know what that meant, but it was just like. Okay, let's just try the retro tournament and see what happens. Basically, what this tournament was, was they would, when you entered the tournament, you basically put your name into a hat, and each round they would draw two two names out of a hat, and then the two names that they drew, those people would have to play a completely random game from the past. (laughs) So this tournament was retro, but retro is definitely in quotations, because this was like... This event was in the early 2010s, and I think one of the rounds was like Halo 1 or 2. So it wasn't that retro, but it was just funny because you were just given a complete wild card, and then you had to make do as best as you could with it. And then, you know, each round people would get one out. And I don't know what ended up being the very last round, but the round I was called up for was uh, a fighting game. It was actually... I want to say it was King of Fighters 2. I might be wrong, but it was one of the King of Fighters games. And uh, confession time, I am very bad at fighting games. I suck at them. I like fighting games, but it's a lot because I like the visuals. I like seeing the characters fight. Um, When it comes to a game like Mortal Kombat, I love the lore. But overall, I'm not a fighting game guy, so I knew I was screwed walking up there. So it's King of Fighters. I wish I could remember which character I picked. I don't know anything about King of Fighters lore, but I probably just picked a character I thought looked cool and then started playing against this other random guy who was at the con. And uh, the funny moment is, for some reason, all my friend group thought that I was the other person playing me because that guy was kicking my ass. (laughs) because again i'm not good at fighting games and this guy i was playing against was actually pretty decent at them but for whatever reason my friend group thought his character on the screen was the one i was controlling so all my friends started cheering and then like the guy kept kicking my ass to which my friends are you know over there like peter peter and it was just such a funny misunderstanding and then i lose and i turn around like you guys know I lost, right? <laughs> and like the whole room just starts cracking up and it was just it was just amazing, but that was another situation that was a total amusing cluster right. f of a situation, so. Yeah. All right, so which game was it though? I'm I'm pretty sure it was King of Fighters 2. Um, but it it was definitely a King of Fighters game. I just might have the uh All right. you know, the number <laughs> wrong. All right, that's cool. Um, all right. 
So the last, the next one I have on my list is a game called Fusion Frenzy. Um, okay. This game, I discovered, this is one that I discovered because of a demo, kind of like Cool Borders, where the demo was on another disc, and I was like, this is kind of fun, and I ended up picking up the full game. Now, ultimately what this game is, is it was kind of meant like a game show, where you had four players, so literally on your Xbox, everyone grabs a controller, and if you didn't have four players, the computer would fill in some uh, NPCs to like fill in the gaps. What it was, it was a game show where the computer, there was probably like maybe 60 different mini games in a Mario Party style um, on the system, on the game. And what you would do is you'd go, we're going to do X amount of rounds, and then they would randomly give you the mini games to play. Um, And some of them would be like, it'd be like sumo where it was like knock the guy into the pit. So literally you'd be (laughs) in this like ball. You'd be in this like hamster ball and you literally just have to make try and knock the other players into the pit and be the last one standing. Or some of them would be like there'd be explosives and you'd have to run around the map and grab the explosives like the firework and deposit it in like your canister, your color canister. So if I was red, I'd be like grabbing them all and putting them in red. And the person who gets the most in there wins. But every time you put an explosive in the canister, it shoots off a firework. So there were just little like things like that. It was all like mini game stuff. It was a lot of fun, but you could play the mini games individually. So I didn't have to play like the full game and get the randomness. You could just go, hey, we want to play this and do it. There was a game on there that we, I don't remember the name of it, but the, we referred to it as Duck and Jump. And if nice. any of my friends were listening are listening to this right now, they know what I'm talking about. All it was was it was like this spiral. It looked like you were running on the thread of like a screw. So it was like you're just going around. You're like literally on a spiral. Like you're on this ramp and it's just spinning and you're just running up and it's constant. Like you don't have to control the running. Your character runs for you. All you have to do is the A button (laughs) makes you duck and the B button (laughs) makes you jump. And stuff would come in the way. So you either have to jump over it or duck under it. And it starts nice. out and it starts out slow. And then it gets and the speed picks up and it gets faster and faster. And what they would do is it would count every success. So every time you successfully like dodge something, it would count. And if you got hit by one, it would push your character back. So eventually, like you'd be back and you'd be back and you'd be back, and then you'd like slowly get to catch back up and that kind of thing. If you got knocked too far back, you would get knocked off the screw and you'd be out. So it became a last person standing wins. We had so much fun just playing this duck and jump game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like that we called it that. It's not what the it's not what the minigame was called. Yeah. It was referred to as duck and jump. But we had so much fun playing it. And like some of my friends saw me like turn the controller sideways. I'm like, why are you turning the controller sideways? And I literally had just had like I held it in my hand in like almost like a football, and like my two fingers were just on the two buttons toggling them back and forth and i was like i was really fast with it um but it was awesome i had a lot of fun playing that game so (laughs) if they ever did like a uh queen's gambit 
type show about fusion friend frenzy you would be that sort of prodigy who learned <laughs> the controller sideways right and i can just picture the uh intense sequence where it shows you like picturing it with within your mind and stuff but uh no that sounds pretty fun i don't know if i ever played this but uh, i was looking at pictures as you were talking about it and i definitely see a lot of screenshots of the uh dunk duck and jump scenario but also uh Fusion Fusion Frenzy kind of looks like it has a pretty cool, like cartoony, comic booky sort of style to it yeah, when it, it did. comes to the it character design and stuff. Yeah, but, it was uh, yeah, nice. Anyway, um, what do you got for me? Yeah, so uh, my second to last pick. Uh, this is a story that I love. Um, this is <laughs> well, I love it because I basically just kicked two of my friends' butts in a in a video game at one point, but it was really funny. But uh, this story involves a friend of the show, Sean, who's been on a couple episodes, as well as uh, our friend Ryan. Um, not Ryan, who does sound for our show, but my other friend Ryan. And uh, it was this moment at uh, my old apartment where uh, I had, you know, my brother Sean and my friend Ryan over, and we were just kind of hanging out, looking for stuff to do. Like, we didn't have any agenda. We were just hanging out. And uh, I'm definitely a retro gamer like i don't play a lot of new games i don't really have any current consoles but i do have like an old playstation for example and i have like you know some other old systems that i like to play here and there and uh for whatever reason we decided to plug in tony hawk's pro skater 2 and uh we were just kind of looking at the multiplayer matches on there and uh if you remember the tony hawk games they had uh, one of the one of the games they had was called Skate, and it's basically mm -hmm. the yep. same thing as Horse for basketball. So in Skate, what you do is your character is put in an area of one of the levels, and then your character has to go forth and do a trick. And uh, the next person is put in the exact same spot, and they have to go forth and do a trick of their own. And it's basically a competition for who gets the highest points so if you get the highest points you don't get a letter but if you lose you get an s and then a k and eventually you'll, you'll spell out the word skate and you lose so what was funny about this was the tony hawk games are one of my favorite game series ever um i haven't played any of them for a while but i do tend to like throw on like old tony hawk games here and there just to kind of I don't know, I just like to kind of just play the levels, and uh, it's one of my favorite gameplays and stuff. So it's one of those things where over the years I've kind of kept up with it, where I'm still pretty good at the game, and uh, my friends that I was playing with definitely didn't. <laughs> so I was just, like, slaughtering them in the skate game, and even moments where it looked like I wasn't going to do that good, I was just still slaughtering them, because I did a lot of, like, in, to in the Tony Hawk games, like there's a you can really link tricks with manuals. So let's say you do a jump and you do like a really basic grind and then you jump off of the rail or whatever you grind it on. You can be like, oh, well, I want to keep this trick going. So you'll do a manual. And for anybody who doesn't know, a manual is like a wheelie on a uh, skateboard. But you yeah. can do a manual and then go into another grind or do and go into a flip trick or go into some other crazy aerial maneuver. But the point is, 
linking tricks with grinds and manuals is a really good hack to get really high scores in the game and especially get really high scores in skate. So I remember uh, my friends, like they would go over a ramp, they'd do a quick like, you know, spin with a flip trick or something. They'd get, you know, they'd do a they'd do a decent trick, but it wasn't anything crazy. And then I would go up do the do something similar off the ramp but then do a manual into a grind into a manual into a flip trick into another manual eventually getting some other grind into like landing off that one and i've lost all speed but i'm still manualing for like 10 seconds before just like landing the trip <laughs> trick. right and both of the people i was playing with every time i would do something they would give me this look like what the heck are you doing? Like, they're getting so pissed because I just, like, kind of knew the hacks to keep getting the great scores. Um, a week or two after this game, uh, I got a, te a text from uh, one of the people I was playing with, and they were like, yeah, this is what it felt like playing against Peter and Tony Hawk. And it was a video of, like, an actual skateboarder who did like a manual like around a full skate park and it was one of those videos where the skateboarder just does the manual for like way longer than you think is humanly possible and I thought it was pretty hilarious but uh yeah that's my story it's basically the moral of it is just I've kind of kept up with my Tony Hawk skills and nobody else has I guess so yeah um yeah I definitely haven't <laughs> Um, all right, so my last one for the night is my final Halo story. Um, this is my first time playing Halo ever. Um, I did not know Halo had a campaign or story mode. I didn't even know what Halo was. I heard a, hey, come on over, we're having some people over to play some Halo. So this was a LAN party, right? It was yeah. not a big LAN party. It was three systems, uh, three TVs. There was probably, I think there were five of us total. And this was Halo 1, the original Halo game. And everyone, like, they, we put in, like, a game just so they could show me how the controls work because I had never played. They're like, hey, this is how the controls work, whatever. And I was like, oh, I got this. It was a really quick pickup. Like, I understood right away. So it was a move around. I played with one. It was, like, a one person. It was, like, a 1v1 just so, like, hey, show Drew how the controls work and let him know, let him show him how to, like, pick up weapons and stuff so he's not, like, in the blue, uh, like, unable to play. Like, they were being fair with me, right? So we played that for, like, just a couple minutes, so I understood. I'm like, all right, I'm with you. I got it. And then they're like, all right, here we go. Snipers capture the flag. Nice. That's what they wanted to play. So we, they chose the largest map, which is Blood Gulch at the time. They put us on Blood Gulch with the two bases, capture the flag, no vehicles, snipers and pistols only. Yeah. You couldn't walk because everyone had snipers, sniper rifles. <laughs> and the game lasted. The one game, and this is like a land party, so we don't have we're not held to a time limit like on when you're playing online, there's a time limit. The game you you eventually the match ends and then you have to play the next match. This was a no time limit. Three captures to win, there's no vehicles, there's only sniper rifles and only pistols, and it lasted for three hours before there was a winner. <laughs> um, it, was the it was awesome, and not only that, but I got, I got good at sniping, I got good at the pistol, like, right away, I got good at the game, I was like, this is great, this is absolutely a blast, 
I bought an Xbox the next day. I'm like, oh, that's I, awesome. Like, that's the thing. Like, literally, I, the game ended, and I went home, and I'm like, yeah, I'm buying an Xbox tomorrow. Like, I, I had to. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I fell in love with the franchise, and then so on and so on, and, you know, that kind of thing. But you're just like, that's the game. It's like, I played games back in the Nintendo days. PlayStation came out, played a handful of stuff, but I never really sunk into video games until yeah. this. And this is when I bought the Xbox, and that's when I got really into the video game stuff in general. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's an awesome match, too. I love um, those classic Halo maps, especially Glove, Blood Gulch. Like, I feel like I've played that so much. I feel like it's it feels like a place I've actually been, even though I haven't actually been there. But I just feel like I know blood gulch like the last of or like the back of my hand when it comes to knowing all of the uh pathways and uh, all the nooks and crannies in there but yeah snipers on blood gulch was always intense but it was cool because there's the tactical aspect there's the sneaking around aspect and it was just this sort of like really slow but tactical sort of game um i remember once playing i can't remember if it was a capture the flag match or what the main game basis for it was but one time a group of friends of mine played uh it was hang em high was the map and yep. everybody was invisible and it was only pistols and i remember that was a similar game where it was Jeez. very very slow and you could barely see anybody and it was just kind of this long methodical sort of you had to be really strategic but it was a really fun unique sort of uh game to set up in there so nice um, all right, man, what's your final one of the night? Yeah, my final one of the night is mostly just, uh, I just think it's funny, but uh, this is another fighting game memory. Again, I'm not very good at fighting games at all, but one of my favorite fighting games of all time is the original Marvel vs. Capcom. And uh, this is a game that I bought when I was in junior high, and it was one of those things where I saved up my money from mowing the lawn and I went to Walmart and I bought this game on the on the original PlayStation and uh I didn't know a lot about it but I was like dude you can play as Mega Man and Spider-Man in the same game this is awesome and from there I kind of like got obsessed with it where I just loved playing the game loved the different characters again I don't think I ever got that good at it but I was so into comics and superheroes and stuff this game was so fun to play I think um the Hulk was the character that I ended up being the best at and he's got a lot of really cool moves like especially the one where he he smashes the ground and kind of sends like a uh kind of like this rip wave of uh you know like dirt coming up that yeah. it gets the guy and stuff like the hulk had some really cool moves in that game but i remember taking this game to one of my best friend's house and uh, just hanging out with him and uh we were both playing it together and uh I was kind of a really bad sport because my friend was a lot better than it at me. And I remember at one point we actually broke out into a real fight while playing the game. Now, this sounds really immature, but keep in mind that this is I was like probably seventh or eighth grade when uh, this happened. But what was funny about it to me was we both had broken arms at the time. Like my arm was in a sling and his arm was in a cast. And we broke out into a fight because of the, you know, disagreeing with how we were playing Marvel versus Capcom. And uh, that memory forever will just be hilarious to me, but uh, also just super ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
Nice. Um, I never was a big fan of those games because I can never tell what is actually happening in those games. Um, like, well, especially that, there's times that like there's so much going on on the screen that I'm like, what is happening when I push that button? What am I actually doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Marvel versus Capcom two, especially there, they had like, uh, every time you played, it would be a three person tag team. So that would make it crazy. And then all of the games do a lot of like, when you do a special move, the background will like zoom in on a close up of the character's face while like the actual character themselves will like do some crazy animation. So I do understand what you mean. It has, it definitely has that sort of Pokemon level strobe effect at certain points um, that could be seizure inducing. I'm not really sure, but it definitely has a lot going on on the screen at certain points. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, do you want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah. What do you got? All right. So I'm kicking us back to television again. We have talked about, over the course of the show, we discussed our favorite pilots, which is our beginning episodes, and we discussed our favorite season openers uh, recently. Um, we're going to go talk about our five favorite series finales. So, I, and there's a big pause on your end, and I don't know what that means, but we are covering there's... final final episodes. <laughs> There's the pause because I don't know... Have we already done this before? We have not. That is surprising. Yep, but and that's cool. why I, I went through our list to make sure we didn't already do it, and we have not. So, Well, yeah, unless sounds I, fun. Unless I missed um, something, but I will double-check and I'll let you know, but I went through the list like three times to make sure that wasn't already on the list. Um, nice. So, yeah, because we oh, talked yeah, th about... This is Oh, keep going. Like I said, we <laughs> talked about our pilot episodes, our favorite openings, like our, our first episodes, and we talked about our uh, season openers. Uh, we've never talked about series finales. So, classic. I think, uh, you know, series finales, they always go down, whether some of them are the greatest episodes of TV ever or some of them aren't. They always are remembered. So, this is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, the fun part of this list, or another fun part of this list, is talking about what are the shows you actually stuck with the whole time they were on the air? Because I think there's something to be said for that, you know? <laughs> there is something to be said for that, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, good call. All right, man. Well, um, for the Top 5 Report, uh, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. And I haven't put it up there yet, but we now are officially on Instagram. And that's at top 5 Report. Uh, for all three. Um, so the Instagram, it's going to be nice because we're going to be able to post some photos and we go to conventions and stuff like that. I'm going to try and be a little more active over there um, because it's a very easy thing to just post stuff. Uh, I did throw some stuff up already, like um, stuff from our last trip to C2E2 in Chicago. I threw up some of the photos from uh, Galaxy's Edge when I got to go down last uh, a year ago, April, but, you know, just to have some pictures of the park and stuff. Trying to find some stuff that I probably would have posted and put them up there. Um, but, you know, we'll see because we might run into some stuff that like, oh, hey, we should probably put that up so people can see. So, yeah, check us out. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Um, we are also on. Um, uh, you can also hit us up on our email, top five report at gmail.com. Social media, either way works um, there. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, Amazon and Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, uh, which 
we love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927, or should I say X and Instagram at <laughs> Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on X, and uh, that's where I'll be explaining how you're not going to believe me, but I swear Calvin Klein was using the pick of destiny at the enchantment under the sea dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely makes sense. All right, everybody. <laughs> the Top 5 Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.